0: hello and welcome to the inside social work podcast a podcast that aims to inspire engage and connect social workers with other social workers and allied health professionals doing interesting and amazing things across the world i'm your host marie Vakakis. thank you for listening and i hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode worker and fellow podcaster Yasmin, and Yasmin had some really amazing things to talk about. Some of the experience that she's had as a social worker is incredible and really, really diverse, and she also has learned a lot from some of the guests on her podcast. We talk about her journey, having students on placement, and a bit of time on self-care, What are some of the things that she does for self-care and some of the things that sustain social workers in their careers? I hope you enjoy my interview with Yasmin. Uh, Today, I'm really excited because the roles are reversed and I get to interview someone who not so long ago interviewed me. So I'm welcoming to the podcast uh, Yasmin McKee Wright. Welcome to the podcast, Yasmin.
1: Thanks so much, Marie. Really honoured that you reached out and showed interest in my work and really looking forward to chatting. Awesome. Um, for those listening, can you share a little bit
0: around your your journey and um, what you do and where you are
1: now? Absolutely. I guess if you wanted to start early, early, uh, I've was always interested in psychology but became a bit more interested at uni in anthropology and sociology through my uni studies and my placements I I did the combined arts and social work degree so I did two degrees in five years and when I got to the social work degree and started doing placements that really solidified my desire to support others so I did my first placement at Wollongong Hospital in the neuro and the hemodialysis outpatients unit and then my second placement was at a small organisation in Lakemba called Canterbury City Community Centre. And my role was pretty big, but we got there. I set up Camp C Men's Shed, which is still operating today. So that was pretty exciting. And that and was on placement. There, that was my second placement. Yeah. That's an amazing <laughs> achievement. I'm a bit of an overachiever. So <laughs> give me a task and I'll I'll do what I can. Yeah, but after that, after working in the community, I just became really passionate about community work. And so from then, I was looking for anything I could do in community. And my first role out was at a migrant resource centre here in Sydney. And it was supporting people who were newly arrived. So refugees and case, case, sorry, refugees and migrants who were new to the country. So the role is called Settlement Support and Complex Refugee Case Management, but as you might imagine, as a social worker in that role, it became so much more. There was a lot of therapy, there was going and helping people set up homes and education and just getting them what they needed to feel comfortable creating a new life in a new country. So absolutely loved that. And from there I moved on to hospital work. So I was at the Migrant Resource Center for about four years. And after that, moved on to working at St. Vincent's Hospital in their rehab unit. So as part of that, there was lots of guardianship applications and supporting people through that project, um, through that process. And I was particularly interested in orthopaedic and neurological rehab. And I had the fortune of completing a master's degree by research while I was at Vinnie's. And that was exploring the information needs and trial of a new resource for caregivers of stroke survivors. So I had uh, an amazing experience with Dr. Rosalie Pocket, who this year was awarded member of the Order of Australia, absolute champion. And I also, while I was at the hospital, had the opportunity to work in the emergency and ICU. I did that most weekends for a few years on top of my extra work. And then I worked on call. And I did little stints in the palliative care ward when inpatient and outpatient when people were on leave. And I also had a little side project, which was called the Motorcycle Accident Rehabilitation Initiative or MARI for short. And basically anyone who came through St. Vincent's Hospital Emergency Department after a motorcycle accident, I got their details. I followed them up and made sure that they had the support that they needed. So. I had a lot of stuff to do at the hospital. I kind of kept piling it on just because I found it so incredibly interesting and it was also just fantastic learning. I also had the good fortune of being in a group supervision group with the wonderful Pam Cohen, who also was awarded an OAM this year. So I've had some incredible mentors, amazing experiences I've had the opportunity in all three of my roles. So I'm now in a new role. I've moved on from the hospital after about nine years. But I've had students in each of those roles too, and that's incredibly enriching and rewarding. That's just,
0: there's so many questions. and so much in that. <laughs> um, what an incredible journey and so diverse and really highlighting that the just the variety of work um, that social workers can be involved in, uh, in terms of it sounds like a bit of advocacy, um, health promotion networking all of those you know group supervision students like there's so much in what you've done Mm
1: -hmm. yeah and I've loved every second and every single thing I do just reinforces that I love being a social worker and I want to support more people to love what they do as well where has that left you now
0: so um You've got a new role and you also have a podcast. Do you want to tell me how that started, the, the podcast?
1: Yeah, so the podcast started just before COVID hit, actually. So it's been about two and a half years now. I had... a few people reach out who i'd either worked with or just friends acquaintances who either themselves or people that they knew were interested in studying something like social work maybe it was psychology maybe it was community service work and they weren't quite sure where to get started and and what course they needed to complete in order to do a certain type of work and so i found myself kind of taking up this mini mentorship role for various people and try to explain to them, look, it really depends on what kind of work you want to be doing. You don't need to do a social work degree, although if you're wanting to do certain things that have a legislative requirement or, you know, you want to work at, at DCJ or in hospitals, you really do need to have those degrees. But it kind of made me realize, and I listen to podcasts all the time. That's all I do in my free time. I'm chopping vegetables. I'm going for a walk. I'm listening to podcasts. Right. So I'm constantly thinking about ways that we can promote ourselves and help other people to understand what it is that we do as a profession. And so I thought, you know what, I'll give this a go. I have the tech. I have people that I've worked with that I can harass until they say yes and so I was very fortunate to have six people that were were part of my existing network who were agreeable to to be interviewed and originally I did it you know in front of people face to face old school and then when the first lockdowns happened in March 2020 I shifted it all online and I've just really loved having the opportunity to meet with people that I normally wouldn't have had contact with. I never would have worked with them. I've only ever worked with adults. I've never worked with children. I find it incredibly fascinating. And so I think in addition to me having the opportunity to tell other people about what social work is and can be, it's given me an opportunity to network, to enrich my practice through other people's ideas, to know about resources, that I hadn't come across before, all these amazing books and media and uh, other podcasts that I, I hadn't heard of. So, yeah, it's it's definitely built and developed on my own passion for being a social worker, and it just gives me so much energy.
0: That's uh, that sounds so familiar. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you might you, yeah you might have come across something similar
0: <laughs> uh, I think the bit that I really loved or that stood out to me about what you said is the the idea sharing and, and learning about what other people are doing because I think sometimes and I'm sure it's not just in our industry but you can become really uh, siloed or just narrow because your day-to-day interactions are with the same maybe presenting issues or the same people and there aren't many things anymore that uh, bring you out of that, and mm-hmm. so listening to other people's interviews, uh, or getting to, to to be the the interviewer um, like you are, and and like me, I think is it's really great to to network and to hear other people's ideas and and normalize some of the experiences. A lot of the guests um, on my podcast, and I and I'm sure I'll ask you the same thing. You know, talk about their own self care and where their journey started and what they love about their job or the the groups that they work with and that can be really energizing and then also normalizing of some of the struggles we all face is that something you found in your experience mm-hmm. as well that you learned just as much from your guests
1: a hundred percent yeah so i i i'm so incredibly grateful to them for the time that they put into it but also yeah they, they bring uh, they're not just talking about what they've done they're giving other people ideas and yeah i i've found that I've had a different perspective sometimes on when I've gone through a difficult patch, how someone else has responded to it. And even just knowing that, like there are some people who are fantastic with their self-care and great with their supervision and and that's all great. But there are other people that have different ways of doing things. And it's not just all about that formal, something that you can tangibly put a name to. So yeah, people are very creative. Um, I also love that the podcast format is so accessible so I also put transcripts up on the website so that if someone can't hear or would prefer not to hear a podcast interview they can still read a transcript but also yeah it's something that is hopefully not dry hopefully something where you can just listen while you do something else and still absorb that information without it being too clinical or too academic well what was the name of your podcast for those listening who might want to check it out
0: (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. Shameless plug. It's Social Work Spotlight. Awesome. And so I'm guessing it um, spotlights different social work stories.
1: <laughs> yeah, Spotlight on the workers themselves and why they do what they do, what keeps them doing what they do. And, yeah, and, and really that's that's the whole thing, Spotlight on a person as a professional and as a person and what they get out of it. What have
0: you seen are some of the common things in you know in the people you've interviewed? What keeps them doing what they're doing? Because um, it's it's definitely not maybe the reputation because social workers aren't I don't think as highly regarded as they should be, particularly um, here in Australia. Um, it's not the bucket loads of cash. <laughs> like what, mm-hmm. what keeps people doing what they're doing? What have you learned? I guess
1: I've learned that. Self-care itself is really a misunderstood concept and it's bandied around and it will look different to everyone. So for me, the takeaway is try to find what works for you, what fits well. There was an amazing... Uh, guest I had Ashton Hayes who she is an accredited mental health social worker but she was talking about instead of say looking at it from a perspective of self-care think of it as allowing kindness so it doesn't have to be called self-care it doesn't have to take the form of having a bubble bath it's just whatever works for you and that might be from a physiological calming just Being able to distance yourself, which obviously during a pandemic and working from home is a little bit more challenging, but from that perspective, it's also around having a network of people around you, some of whom might understand what you're talking about, some of whom just kind of stand there with their mouths open when you tell them what what you do, and others who you know, really get it and want to have a juicy conversation with you. Sometimes that's just fun unpacking something without having it be a clinical or a team leader perspective. So yeah, I I think what I've taken is that everyone is slightly different in what they're going to benefit from. And really, as a, and I, I just had a student who finished yesterday, what I was saying to her is that You put so much pressure on yourself as a student and as a starting social worker, you know what you're talking about. So once you found your groove, once you found your confidence, and once you've found yourself in an organization, a culture that is supportive of you, just be confident in what you're doing and try not to be your own worst enemy, enemy, which is what normally happens. So people end up criticising themselves or thinking, you know, I failed someone. Think of it as, you know, stuff happens regardless of whether you're there or not. If you can make a difference to one person a day or you can just feel as though you've made that person's journey through whatever they're going that much easier, that's a good place to step back and think of it that way.
0: Some really, um, yeah, really good Things in what you said uh, we've had ashton on the podcast as well mm. um i don't think we're talking about self-care but i can't remember exactly i like that idea of you know maybe reframing it too it's not self-care of a bubble bath it's, it's showing kindness um and i, I think and I, i'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this because i suspect i know the answer but is part of your self-care also engaging in learning and you know those sorts of things seem to excite you. Is that if I kind of piece that together well?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I was actually just watching a a documentary the other day, which is incredibly <laughs> social work nerdy, but it's called the Oasis, <laughs> and it was just incredible. And I've, I've done a bit of work with the Oasis in Surrey Hills here. It's a, a homeless youth support program that does incredible work, but. I love watching that sort of stuff. I will watch nitty gritty movies where stuff is happening where a social worker might be because it's not like I live, eat and breathe social work, but you can't turn that off sometimes. And as long as it's not triggering or going to kind of be an issue for you longer term, then I I feel like part of my role is to inform myself and is to to know about different approaches and things that I can do and yes I also listen to a bunch of psychology podcasts and and things like that so I consider part of that my own professional development Uh, as well as you know I I hate baths so for me that's going to be exactly the opposite of calming I think for me it's just exercise just move just at the end of the day even if you're stressed to try to finish work and get to a yoga class that ability to just switch off and go I can't do anything about it right now I'm lying down on a mat and in tune with my own body and for me that's what gives me more energy
0: I really love that. I hate baths. <laughs> Let's reimagine <laughs> self-care. They're too
1: wet. Too wet. Too hot. <laughs> yeah. Same with the beach. No, too um, salt. Too salty. Too sandy.
0: Yeah, no. sandy. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you mentioned um, that you recently been working with a student. Uh, what are some of the things that you you notice for students coming through? I know um, those probably who this is their first year, having graduated. They've had probably one or both placements remotely. Um, they entered the industry at a time of high demand, high complexity, competing and demanding needs. What are your What are you seeing in where you are? What's happening for your students and the, the colleagues that you have that are starting out in social work?
1: Yeah, man, I can't even begin to understand what they're going through I was very fortunate before COVID that I had done some work from home only because I had an injury that uh, and surgery that meant I needed to be set up at home so for me to transition from working in the office to working at home full-time and the fact that I have a wonderful studio space and get to work, work sitting next to my husband all day, we you know get along great and we actually love working from home together. So people don't have that opportunity. So I'm very a lot of people, and it's just that I, can't work I can from home. I can drive out to see clients from home. I don't need to be in office. So many people don't have that luxury, and especially I can't imagine learning independently without the support of someone to just quickly you know walk up to their office to tap on their door and can I just clarify something or I'm really interested in this concept do you have any other readings or even if it's just meeting with my my group at uni that maybe I knew because we did placement together whatever it was that I had that support network at uni they don't have that and my student This was her first placement and so she had the previous two years of the first part of the degree where she was completely online. She had maybe a week or something of face-to-face and then it was all online. So learning has had to shift in quite a dramatic way and some people just can't learn that way, unfortunately. Similarly, if you're used to studying online and not doing that face-to-face, it's surely going to be exhausting. Like the first week that she was with me, was just incredibly taxing and I knew that was going to be the case and I wanted to just, I came up with this Gantt chart and I'm like, this is a great plan and this is how we're going to do things and these are the learning objectives. But I also said, you know what, you tell me how you're going because if this is too much, I need you to tell me. I don't want, and I'm always very clear with students, unlike some other disciplines in hospital settings especially a lot of them would say but you've got students to do that for you and that's like oh that really hurts because for me if a student is not learning from something that they're doing even if it's a really menial task like filling in a, a referral to a service If they're not learning from that, I'm not interested. They're not going to be doing it from my perspective. I want them to be getting something out of each moment of placement, even if it's just going and having a chat with one of my colleagues about how they would approach something because they're not a social worker. So, yeah, I I guess coming back to the question, I, yeah, I, I can't imagine how much more difficult it would be, first of all, just and, and especially for these social work students who are finishing this year and having to go out into the big world and really unsure whether they're going to be able to manage 100% on a ward or in a community setting or having to work from home full time, the uncertainty around that is just so much more than we ever had to experience pre-pandemic. So, yeah, my my advice was really don't be so hard on yourself. Don't assume that you need to know everything and ask questions because I love questions it shows that you're thinking about something it shows that you're interested in what's going on and I was very fortunate that my student picked things up so incredibly quickly which in an insurance setting can be very hard to do just getting the wording right and getting the context right. I
0: think you're um you're so right in terms of the difficulty adjusting to remote, and then also adjusting back or balancing both. Because um, some of them are muscles that we haven't really used. Some never mm-hmm. use. We've never. Some of us have never worked from home, so adjusting to that. Um, the previous guest um, I had before you was talking around. You know the, what energized her was taken away, ne- ne- networking mm-hmm. with. F- people meeting friends exercise at the gym like you know so all of those things are so important and then I've also heard people say I quite liked working from home so I felt really fatigued and overstimulated and um, overwhelmed by the hustle and bustle of an office setting Um, but I think for placements especially I do feel for those who had both placements be remote because you don't get that let's chat over a cup mm-hmm. of tea let's have a coffee and check in and I know I missed some of the you know warning signs for my students that maybe they weren't going okay because we'd they'd show up for our kind of zoom meeting and then log off and unless they told me it was really hard to notice it's hard to yeah. see um and reach out and and build that safety that psychological safety in those interpersonal uh, relationships
1: Absolutely. And I think that's what made me even more determined to have a student. i've I've been where I am now for four and a half years and hadn't had a student in this role. And I think after speaking particularly, I had Dahlia on the podcast who's one of the field education officers at UNSW. And having spoken with her, it just really ignited that passion for having students. And I thought, I can make this work. You know, I, I don't care what has to happen. I will talk to the right people. I will get the equipment. I will, and and it turns out she's incredibly more, re, well, was incredibly more resourced than any of the other students that I've had because all of a sudden I can give her a laptop. I can give her an extra monitor. I can give her a headset. Whereas every other student I've had before has shared my computer, not had any of that stuff for themselves because the resources weren't there. All of a sudden, I'm in an organisation where I can. And so it meant that she could do so much work by herself. She could adjust really quickly. And, yeah, I was just really determined to give someone a placement when I know that so many people were struggling to get placements. Yeah, I definitely
0: want to um, try and make another one work uh, very soon. <laughs> mm. it's, it's so it's it's time consuming but also so rewarding. And everyone that's a social worker was given a chance by someone. So I think... It's such an important thing to give back to the industry. Apart from so you hate baths, the soapy, bubbly <laughs> hot water—it's too wet. What what do you what do you do for the? I can't listen to my
1: podcast while I'm doing
0: it. That's okay. Um, you digest a lot of information, podcast, professional development. You said you know um, documentaries. What else do you do? Like, how,
1: how have you? Um, how do you what's your self care? What do you do for you? Yeah, I exercise probably too much, some might say, but I'm at the gym maybe six days a week. I do at least one or two classes every time I go, and I just love variety. So I love again, that's that disconnection from home being the primary place where I work. So walking to the gym, putting headphones on listening to something. it doesn't matter what it could be. It could be. Stuff you should know, listening to science stuff, it could be my epidemiology podcast. it, it you know it it doesn't matter as long as I'm tuning out. <clears throat> and then I get to the gym, I am focused on my physical things and some of it's kind of rehab and prehab for various other ailments. And I can really just go, this is this is me working on me without having to be cognitive. So for me, I think it's definitely about just tuning out that chatter of the social work brain and it's one of the only places where I'm not a social worker. I don't have to kind of be that person and then I'm walking back home and then, you know, it's that's, that's my happy place as well as I'm getting back into a little bit of seeing friends. I've been super cautious with COVID even though, I mean, they say Sydney's not as bad as Victoria but thankfully we didn't have the extent of the lockdowns but there are still you know 10 20 people dying every day in new south wales so for my own you know I, I i feel like i've stayed away from friends but i've kept in contact with the ones who are important to me so that's really important i love cooking i love eating um so yeah i love spending time with my husband i love working on the podcast and that's enough you know i, I don't feel the need to travel although i love traveling at the moment i'm happy just taking sort of road trips and yeah that that gives me energy
0: sounds like a really good well thought out self-care plan (laughs) (laughs) is that something you recommend for students to do is actually have a brainstorm about what they can do daily weekly
1: i think yes and no because some people Appreciate having that structure. And for me, I, I feel like I, I appreciate not having as much structural regimented timetabling. So if someone's then going to get really anxious that they need to stick to that, I think that might increase the anxiety or the stress levels. So it really depends on the individual person and whether they feel they can just wing it. Um, you know, not everyone's going to be able to go to a gym not everyone is going to be able to spend time with friends they might be immunocompromised or they might not have the transport or whatever it might be so I really think it needs to be not predictive I think it's good to have a think about it I definitely think right from placement one social work students should be thinking about what they do to disconnect and to not even not even disconnect from work, but sometimes self-care is seeing a supervisor at work who understands what they're going through. So it doesn't have to be all this stuff outside of work. And, yes, probably my self-care now that I'm talking out loud is I have an amazing team, incredible team leader, beautiful group of people that I work with who who appreciate and acknowledge me and I think that is so important because I've been in places elsewhere where it wasn't that strong so yeah self-care doesn't have to be just outside of work
0: I think that's a really good point and um working out what how you like to be recognized or appreciated can be part of that because mm-hmm. it's that showing kindness you mentioned, and some of times that can be energizing. It can feel supportive. It can be part of the foundations that keep us doing the work that we're doing. Especially being social workers, it's often so either intellectually demanding or emotionally demanding that we sometimes need to buffer that.
1: Yeah, and look, there are so many positives, positives and negatives in the work that I'm doing at the moment, and I guess in terms of being able to outweigh those positives to the negatives is having someone to talk to about it and just saying, look, there's a limitation here. What's the impact on the relationship I have with my clients? How can these psychological issues sometimes be worse than the physical issues? How do I grapple with that instead of just trying to absorb that into your system and say this is an issue and I don't have an answer? Sometimes even just talking to someone who, again, doesn't have an answer but can hear you out and say yep yep that's hard
0: yeah absolutely
1: well thank you so much for
0: the conversation i really hope people check out your podcast and hear some of the stories of the social workers that you've interviewed Uh, if people want to check it out where can they find you or the
1: podcast yeah they're welcome to look for social work spotlight on any of their podcast apps it's also on anchor.fm slash social work spotlight and we release episodes every two weeks Um, next one yeah so yeah there's there's a huge variety in what's coming up so we've got people who have worked in palliative care we've got someone who works at the forensic hospital in sydney so there's a huge variety and yeah i love doing what i'm doing
0: great thanks so much it's been wonderful chatting with you again
1: it's been a pleasure thanks marie
0: thank you for listening i hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode The Inside Social Work podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we record this podcast today and pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Thank you for listening. If you would like to support the podcast, you could leave a rating or a review on iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcast and feel free to join the Facebook group. It would be great to hear from you. Have a lovely
1: day. Bye.